What's going on, everyone? You're listening to the Asian MMA Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything going on in the world of Asian MMA. This episode is brought to you by excessive and overreaching use of corporate lawyers. I'm Dana Bluen, and this episode is a departure from the norm. I had a chance to sit down with the most active fighter in Asian MMA, Will Chope. Will recently had a dust-up on social media with the CEO of One Championship, Chatri Sityatong, over a post Will penned about the lack of drug testing in Asian MMA and his opinion on one's policies. Chachi would go on to say he agreed with most of what Will said in his post right before sending his staff out to get Will's contact info and having one's corporate lawyer send a letter threatening to sue him if he didn't take the post down. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Let's get right into the interview. Will Chope, thank you for joining me on the Asian MMA podcast, man. I appreciate you taking the time. I know it's late at night. Uh, no worries at all. Uh, stoked to be here. Thanks, man. So, I, obviously, I wanted to have you on. Uh, one, you're, you're just a really active, well-known fighter here in Asia, but recently you got a lot of international attention for a Facebook post. Do you, do you mind to talk about that a bit? Oh, yeah, which was um, it was funny. Um, uh, these two former 1FC fighters, Nick Harris and, and Arnaud Lapont, were sharing an old – yeah, they're old. They're sharing an old uh, article – I think it was from uh, the body lock about about one uh, FC is going to start doing uh, drug testing at the beginning of 2009. The article was from January, but they were recently sharing in it, and I was like, guys, why the fuck are you guys sharing this? This is like a it's a bullshit article. They haven't done any drug testing as far as I know. Um, like uh, what, like, and then I, I shared it on my personal page, and I was just like, guys, the title's misleading. It's not true. They haven't done any drug testing up until. Like I've known, even though they said they've done it, but we all know that. Because after, uh, then, anyways, I made a post about it, and then, but I, but I didn't even put it on my fan page. I put it on my personal page, and a lot of people, I know a lot of listeners probably don't know, but on my personal fan page, I don't even have my my name. I have my Chinese name with Chinese characters, and I do that for like it was just for my my personal vent rant. But of all people, Chattery commented on it, and and said he agreed with you. Yeah, he, he said he agreed. He he said he didn't disagree with everything, but he agreed with most of what I said, and that uh, and that he would like to talk to me and have us have a beer sometime or whatever, and and like kind of clear the air or whatever. And then uh, I just kind of I just ignored his comment. I did edit it because like some people because uh, because uh, later after he sent me that or after he posted the comment, like literally within not even twenty four hours later, I got a email from uh, the one FC lawyer staff. That they were, uh, they asked me. They, they were, well, they, they they said they're they could sue me for libel and uh, for slandering them, um, uh, by, because of my post after he commented, which I thought was crazy, and and because and then that I, was crazy. Yeah, and, and then I and then I shared the email, the lawyer email, and I was like trolling a little bit by like, hey, do I have any friends who are lawyers? Ha ha ha, you know, <laughs> like uh, that can give me some advice, and um, but. But actually, I did get some legit advice that because actually, one uh, FC, I don't think they could sue me. They wouldn't win in America or even in I don't even think it's Singapore. But in Thailand, the libel laws are pretty pretty fickle and crazy. And because Chattery's a Thai, and well, because they have way more money than I do, if, if also um, that they could probably sue me in Thailand and make or just make my life difficult in Thailand. Um, For sure, yeah. yeah. But which is weird too, because I was later talking to some other people. Like, I didn't make the post while I was in Thailand. 
because I'm in Singapore right now. And like, I don't know how that would work legally anyways, but whatever. It was, it was too much of a headache. I did try to edit my, my thing to make it more politically correct. But, but anyways, even with that, I just ended up deleting the post in general because I just thought it was going to be more hassle than it was worth. But, uh, well, we're, we're very fortunate that in the internet age, <laughs> you know, once you once you put something out there, it is out there forever. So everyone has has seen this post, has seen Chattery's reply, and has seen the letter because you were you were kind enough to share it with us. Uh, one of the crazy things I thought about Chattery's comment, other than the fact that he says I agree with most of what you say, uh, there's a few errors, but he says he doesn't want beef. He ends it and he says, um, I wish continued success to you and your family. One of the interesting things was, I don't know if you heard my podcast episode about the conflict of interest with Evolve and one championship. Yeah. But so he, he sent me these series of, you know, personal messages on WhatsApp because we, we have exchanged messages in the past. I mean, and honestly, for the most part, he's been a pretty accessible guy to me up until that point. Um, but he was just like, look, I'm really upset. I, you know, I thought we were friends. He goes on and on. But the very last thing he writes is, I wish you and your family continued success. Yeah. And apparently what he means by that is I'm going to sue you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like uh, it's such a weird thing to even mention my family too. I don't like when people do that because – in a, like we know Asia, like there's almost like an undertone threat to that. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And that's not cool. Like, yo, you, you threaten me all you want, but don't save my family. You know what I mean? Like that's, I don't know. But the American in me gets all, gets upset about that kind of shit. It takes that shit no, personally. I, I 100% hear you, man. I 100% <laughs> hear you. Uh, One of the things that I found interesting is that you've actually had a, a very long and actually a very active career. I know you were just you kickboxed in China over the weekend, right? Yeah, yeah I just I just fought last Saturday. I lost, though, unfortunately, uh, second time. But I'm kickboxing, fighting. right? Yeah, yeah, kickboxing. Yeah, yeah. You fight essentially any discipline, any anywhere, anytime. Yeah, just like because if because if I if I only fight MMA, there's not enough MMA fights to stay busy, and I won't make enough money if I just fight MMA. So I gotta fight Muay Thai. I gotta fight K1. I gotta literally anything that comes my way. I'm gonna take it and I'm gonna fight. And I, like, yeah, the money's a big deal, but like, it's just yeah, I just want to stay busy and and make my living this way. Like, I don't want to work a real job. That's the at the end of the day, I'm actually kind of lazy. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to work a normal job. So so I'd rather fight all these other styles and and get paid that way and make my living that way than you know coach full time or or. Yeah, or have to get a normal job or something, you know? Yeah, no, and I, I think all the fans in Asia appreciate you for that. But one of the things that I don't think you've ever fought for one, right? If I if I look at your record. Oh, no, never, never. I know you fought for Mima. I know you fought um, Matt, Matty Polino and Mima, right? Yeah, yeah, I fought uh, Matt Polino, or I fought Mima once, which at that time, Mima was still kind of cool with 1FC, um, yeah. although they're not now, but... Uh, no, but no, yeah, not at all. Yeah, at that, that time they were still like kind of friends or doing co-promotion and all that. And I, I remember that was that was actually season one. I think those were the only pro fights they ever had for Mima. If I'm not no, mistaken, no, that was uh, season two. That they had they had a pro fights on the season one and the season two. But yeah, that was season oh, okay. two. Yeah, and after that they didn't do any other pro fights that I that I know of. Yeah. No, I got involved with Mima in season three, and there was uh, well, they did the Mima R thing on the boat. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Those are pro fights. Yeah. Uh, most of those are pro fights at least. But yeah, so I mean, you've never really had a relationship directly with one. And so I, 
it's kind of odd just because you've been so active and you've kind of been at that that upper echelon, especially in Asia, for a long time. Well, like I, I've talked with like Matt Hume actually before. So I signed with the UFC at the end of 2013. I was on a 14 fight win streak, and then that was when I went. But it was actually a few months before I signed with the PXC. Um, at that at that time in 2013, I got an offer to fight for one championship. But I like the but a lot of people don't know the contracts are like 32 pages long. There's all this legal language, but they don't they think I'm just gonna like put my name on like look at the money and just sign it. But I read everything, of course. Like like any smart person should do, and uh, there was a lot of problems I had with with the contracts. Like there was an expiration date, there was no guarantee of like how many fights I'll have. Like and there's a lot of things I wanted to change, and I went back and forth with Matt Hume, and they changed some things that I wanted to, but then some things that I didn't ask them to change, they changed those too. So like every single time I, they sent the contract back and forth, like they were changing shit, and I reread the whole thing again, and I was like guys, you're playing games with me. You're trying to sneak stuff in there and think I'm not going to notice. And, uh, and that basically I, I called Matt Hume out for that at that time. And then I didn't talk to Matt Hume again. And then that was the end of my relationship with one FC as far as, uh, ever going to fight with for them, you know, for sure. And I mean, and for those of you guys who don't know, cause not everyone is, uh, is ingrained in like the whole scene in Asia, but Matt Hume's an executive with one championship for a long time. He was their matchmaker. I don't know if he still holds that specific role, but he's also Demetrius Johnson's coach. Yeah. I think anyone who's a fan of the UFC knows that. Uh, and he holds this executive level position with, with one as well and right. sways quite a bit of influence over fighters. Yeah. But like, it was like going back and forth with them. And I just felt like they were, they were being, he was really, in my opinion, he was really dishonest with me and, and like, uh, and like really trying to, they were trying to pull a fast one with me, like with how they're going to sign. And, and th- this is actually like, like what I told a lot of people is actually about this, the steroid article and WADA and all that stuff, the, the world anti-doping agency and one relates one, one championship's relationship with them. I don't actually care about Non-existent that. relationship. Yeah. They're non-existent relationship, um, which we found out actually through all this stuff that came up i don't really care about steroids and asian mma i actually my my beef is one with one championship is the way they do their contracts the way they lock in tons of fighters all across asia into these exclusive contracts they give them one fight they put them on a shelf most of the guys are locked in contracts to never fight again and one fc won't release them and and that's my problem with one championship actually because a lot of those fighters are my friends or people i know personally and they're just like guys who are kind of stuck you know and and that's my beef with one championship to be honest yeah there's been quite a few people uh who who have really complained about that and i know there was a few westerners who were living here in asia who were signed to them and unhappy and they end up essentially just you know moving out of asia and sort of running their mouths to the point to force one to have to release them but i know quite a few people have had that that same issue and i've seen the contracts for one the new ones even that they're not much better now than they were when i first saw them a few years ago the money's gotten i guess a little bit better for some people but some people are still locked into those old contracts from a few years ago and it's like a few hundred bucks to show, a few yeah. hundred bucks to win. People don't like people think I'm making that up. Like there's some fighters on one championship that make five hundred dollars to show, five hundred to win, or or seven fifty, seven fifty. This is one Warrior Series included, not just one championship. But and people think I'm lying or I'm just slandering them or making it up. But like I've seen the contracts, I've seen the fighters. I'm not going to name them because I'm not going to throw them under the bus. But but it's yeah. like yo, I, I'm not making this up, guys. Like you know, so I don't know. 
I, I know fighters who were a big draw in their home country here in Asia signed to one on long-term contracts who had like, I think it was like a seven and seven contract. Oh, like with, with, with no expiration date. Yeah. It's, man, the no expiration date. The, now these new contracts, they can freeze. If you ever turn down a fight, they can freeze your contract until you say yes to the next fight and they can, they can freeze your contract. Uh, which is like, which is crazy that, that that's even illegally allowed. They can freeze your contract. So if you have a two-year expiration date, but if they be, they can freeze it in the middle of it, and it prolongs people's contracts. Like the 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 thing is, what I learned about MMA, like, cause I've, I've promoted a couple of shows before, and I've worked and I've uh, worked I worked as a manager before for fighters, especially with when Legend FC. I'm not sure if he well, Legend FC just came back, but back in the day when Legend FC was doing shows in Macau and Hong Kong. When Legend, when the first, the two original owners of Legend FC were going to sell, uh, sell their, to sell Legend, what actually made Legend FC valuable was not the the content. It was actually the fighter contracts. Like who did they have signed to their organization? Who was still on exclusive contract? So they blocked a few fighters from going to the UFC. Baymyung Ko, a Korean fighter, and uh, what yeah, was no, Damon. Yeah, Baymyung Ko was the the famous one. Um, that got blocked from fighting the UFC at, and by Legend FC at the time when they were trying to sell, because having him as a contractor fighter made them more valuable. And um, me personally, what I think One Champion is doing is trying to get all these fighters locked in these contracts, and they have a huge roster. And that actually what that's what makes One Championship more valuable than than all their free content, for example. Yeah, all, all their super free content. And actually, I, I've seen recent contracts uh, from some of the fighters and one who showed them showed me their contract that stipulates, I guess, that the fighters have to rep- have to promote one sponsors regardless if they're paid by them or not. Wow. So you're essentially taking away the, the bargaining power of a, of a fighter who most of them, I mean, in the game, most of these guys are making their money from sponsors and promotions and things like that, not from the promoter themselves. It's, you know, the hustle they're putting in outside of the cage to, to get the cash and one's essentially requiring them to do it for free. Yeah, that's, it's crazy. And, and there's one of my, uh, one of my close friends, actually, he, this was a few years ago. He had a sponsor, and you, when you when you fight for one championship, you have to tell him your sponsors, and even they ask you how much you're getting paid by your sponsor. And I told my friend he was stupid to even put the money down, you know, to show him how much he was getting paid, you know, because I would just lie about that. I'd be like, oh, they're just giving me free merchandise or something. But he wrote the, a beer company down, and uh, and he told him how he was getting actually quite a bit of money from one championship said no you can't represent the beer company or asia martial arts blah blah uh and for yeah i said it was not good for the brand but then later that company said one championship contacted them to try to to, to contact the beer company to ask if they would want to sponsor do a bigger package and and, and actually Damn, and sponsor that, the that's show cold. that's cold as hell man and it's like man you're actually directly hurting the fire first of all he didn't make that money originally and then you're trying to go like go around him and then contact his like steal a sponsor directly like they, and then anyways luckily the the, the beer company they, they didn't they didn't play ball they're like oh that was really low of them and thought that was unethical business practices and so they turned them down and and so yeah but this is what one and I've, I've heard rumors about one championship doing this to other show sponsors in asia as well going after other promotion sponsors aggressively and they're trying to like hamper the other the competition around asia you know that way 
I, I've heard that as well, and I've, I've heard that from the companies that one has gone to. Yeah, and it's like a cutthroat. I know it's a cutthroat business, but Jesus Christ, like you're hurt. They're hurting the sport, though. You know, it's and like and I don't know. At least that, that's my opinion. So. It's strange, Will, because, you know, a lot of people don't see this side of it. You know, I think uh, in the U.S. There's a, there's a bit more transparency and the press is holding the UFC or Bellator much more accountable. Uh, there, there seems to be a, a real lack of that here. Well, they got a lot of these websites here based in Asia. They uh, they pay those journalists to, to basically do P, run PR for them. I've heard about that. Like for um, – what Asia for a good example is AsiaMMA.com uh, didn't really run. not related to the AsianMMAPodcast.com. Yeah, yeah, not well. <laughs> it was funny. They're not they're they're, they're they wouldn't run like uh, PR for one championship, and then uh, one championship got this other guy to, to start a website called AsianMMA.com. Same thing. I don't think they're related to the also pod- not related to the podcast. Not related to the podcast, <laughs> and and the, it's almost a copy of AsianMMA.com except for it's AsianMMA.com and it's all promoting one championship. And every now and then there's a middle story promoting another show like uh, to make it look like a legit site, but it's literally just a copy of AsianMMA.com. It's like, man, that's, it's pretty crazy, man. <laughs> and that, that's how they run it though. I mean, that's how, that's how they, uh, they play. It's yeah. dirty. It's down in, it's down in the mud, right? They're, they're just trying to get eyes or control the story, control the spin. And I find it, I personally find it crazy. As Trump would say, fake news, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> maybe, maybe uh, Ch- Chachi's playing 3D chess with Trump and, uh, you know, the, the, I don't wanna, the spin masters. Like, I don't want to give him that much credit, though. <laughs> but maybe. For sure. For sure. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it, it, it's this big, crazy thing, though. And I, I think a lot of people were blown away when you posted the letter. And I know I heard from at least four different people that one staffers reached out to them asking for your email yes uh, the day so of the post even some of my friends and uh well or who i thought was friends well, i consider a friend still i guess and as and osmond for example she works with one championship and she contacted me and she was asking me to I thought, tell me i should delete it. she tried to make small talk but then she was and then she talked directly about the post and told me i needed to lead in that i had i had so many things wrong and blah blah, blah about it and like she, and then she told me she's not like, according I, to her boss and then, and then she said um I don't know. I don't know. You know, this might get out of hand if you don't delete it, Will. And I was like, yeah, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> what do you mean? I was like, yeah, I'll take that risk, you know? And then sure as shit, literally not even like 10 hours later, I got the, I got the lawyer email. And then, um, yeah, it was kind of nuts. Uh, Michelle. So they sent your friend to, to strong arm you. Yeah. And then, and then they had uh, uh, this, this lady, uh, what was it Michelle or one of the girls who run, who does the PR for, for one championship, none. I don't think it's Tammy. There's another. Well, it might have been Tam. Was it Tammy? I forget. I have to look up Facebook. Uh, Tammy Ingrid and Kwong that I know. Oh, there's I think it was Tammy then. Yeah, there's one of the girls. She messaged me about and then asking me for my phone number that they wanted to talk to me. And I straight up told her I was like, "Look, if you guys are gonna send threats on the phone, I was like, I can't record my phone call. So I was like, I'd rather you guys. You can email me. Here's my email, or here's my, or you can contact me on Messenger. And they're like. 
uh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that was legit work. No, it was the same thing after I, I published the, the podcast about One and Evolve. Well, Lauren Mack, the, uh, I believe he's vice president of PR, mm. started blowing my phone up. And I, I was about to board a flight. I was like, dude, I'm busy. But if you want to have a phone conversation, I was like, let me schedule it with my attorney and and we can all jump on a call together and we can do that. Yeah. And they, they just stopped emailing me. Ah, it's, yeah, it's crazy, man. And like, um, oh, what was I going to say? Man, this isn't the first time. Like, it's funny how you're, because you got some beef talking about the conflict of interest between Evolve and One. My first time ever talking to Chattery was in 2012. I remember I was like a loudmouth kid. I didn't really have a great record. And I was much more loud on social media to try to get fights in different promotions. And I actually wanted to fight for one way back in 2012. And I remember I was trying to call Mitch Chilson back in the day when he was still fighting. Um, he fought one of my teammates. He fought Kai Chi, and I thought it was a mismatch, and they they did it on purpose. And I and I was calling One FC Evolve FC, and I tagged Chatry, and I tagged <laughs> Mitch Chilson, and they uh, and then you know Chatry sent me a message, and and uh, I don't know if he remembers he sent me a message. He sent me a gruesome message, and uh, and, and and yeah, it was it was crazy, and that was my first that was the first my first. Uh, actual one-on-one talk with Chattery. It was after I was trying to call up Mitch Chilson. It was back when Chell Sonnen was really famous and I was trying to be like a Chell Sonnen of Asian MMA and try to call people out. Like it'd be like a, the American gangster, so to speak. And, uh, <laughs> and then he, yeah, Chattery didn't like it. He, he just, and then, <laughs> and I didn't really think I, and like me as a kid, I was like 21 years old. I just, I didn't really think it was that bad. I was just trying to get fights, you know? And then, and yeah, I was just like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> why are you sending me this kind of message? And I was like, yo, sorry, bro. I was like, I was actually legit scared then. Now I've, I've learned, you know, that's just the way they do. That's the way they talk to people when they, that's how they Standard operating procedure, man. Yeah. Standard operating procedure. Yeah. It's nuts. <laughs> the, the whole thing is, they, you know, that they had people reaching out to you is just, you know, to try to pressure you to take it down. And then when that didn't work, they send the letter is just like, what do you think when you first opened that? Oh, when I saw the letter, I was like, oh, I'm just going to post this letter. It's going to make this story. I'm going to get more shares now. <laughs> like, come on, guys. Like, you guys are not. I don't, I don't think they They definitely didn't expect me to share the share the letter. Um, yeah, for sure. And then, but yeah, whatever. Like, 24 hours later, I ended up deleting it anyways. But like I said, internet got screenshotted. It was on a few articles. I talked to a few journalists about it. It was all on Reddit and stuff. I thought that was funny. Uh Reddit, it will live forever, man. Yeah. That will never go away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they just brought more You know what? It, it's unfortunate, though, because like the way the news cycle works, you know, it drops off. And it's not until they do something again where it spikes up. Oh, I mean, that's like I was hoping that it wouldn't drop off. Like I want that. I want I actually want like one championship can help Asian MMA grow. And it would be nice if they were like if, if they are successful, if they do make money. And they do like they treat the fighters right. Like I want that. Um, some fighters are really happy with their contracts. Like Ev Ting, for example, loves like he's he's cool with one championship. Martin Nguyen, is, you know, I'm sure he's really happy with one championship. But there's a lot of fighters that are just like that. That the majority, I would even say the majority of fighters are, are are not, in my opinion, have good contracts. You know, like and and I I want them to like do well and treat the fighters right. I want there to be some transparency. And I hope the fans and people will hold them accountable, so they have to become transparent. You know. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm I'm so frustrated by one because they could be such a powerful force. Yeah, they could be so good, but uh, yeah, <laughs> but unfortunately, 
you know, it's and now they're talking about going to America, and I, I don't even see how that's going to work from a logistics perspective. Like, they have their own officials, their own judges. There's no way they get brought onto a commission in the states. Yeah, because I mean, if they, unless they go to an Indian casino, you know what I mean. So but, even then, man, I don't know. I mean, they could technically go to Indian casino, I guess, but even then, that that would be yeah, that would be really weird. Like, are they gonna they do these great big shows in Singapore Indoor Stadium? Then they're gonna go to Indian casino in America just to have their own officials and self regulate? Like, that'd be pretty weird. And everybody would, I would hope they would call them out for it, you know. So <laughs> one championship U.S. in Montana or something, yeah. or like uh, Boise, Idaho. <laughs> I guess, that'd be kind of cool. My, my, my family's in Idaho. So. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> uh, but Jesus. But, but I, I mean, you know what I mean? It's, it, it, it's so, it's such a different world. I mean, I know that they've sent Lauren Mack back to uh, the U S to, to work on this. I mean, I, I've seen his posts on LinkedIn that that's essentially his, his primary function at this point is getting one championship to the U S for 2020. But like, I don't know, this is, none of their officials are qualified really to, to be MMA officials under a legitimate commission in the U S their practices, their, their lack of transparency on weigh-ins their you know, the lack of transparency on their, as you pointed out, their so-called drug testing, all these things are red flag. Yeah. And like, like, they just like their weigh-ins need to be filmed, you know, like if you want to self-regulate, you got to do it publicly and that's fine. Yeah. You can self-regulate, but do it publicly. And if you're not going to do it publicly, then don't be mad when people try to call you out or accuse you of, uh, of cheating, basically choose you being biased, you know, and that's what they're getting mad at me for choosing. I'm like, I'm accusing them of being biased, but it's not, it's because they're not, they haven't proved otherwise. In my, in my opinion, they haven't, they're not, you know what I mean? So you know like the whole thing with overturning decisions or, or yeah. even like some of the really questionable decisions that i've seen from their judging and the also their whole scoring criteria won't fly in the u.s no like they, they have to use the commission judges they have to use the commission like they gotta go through the commission if they go to america if they want to go to a legit yeah. stadium in america especially like who knows maybe they can bribe it they may, i don't know maybe they think they can bribe the one of the state athletic commissions not going to say it's out of the realm of possibilities, but it would be really, really hard to do that in America. And I think if the UFC doesn't do it, that means it's probably not possible. And big boxing ain't doing it. And also, the the second they have a uh, the second they have an evolved fighter on a card where the the same person owns the gym and the promotion, all types of red flags are going to go up. Yeah, that's like how does that people don't see that's a contra- like a conflict of interest? But if Chowry says that the best gym in Asia is Team Lakai instead of Evolve, then people think he's non-biased, you know. But no, he's still the owner of Evolve. He still has all these superstars like that, like that that, uh, that once a even a fighter is not an Evolve fighter, but as soon as they become a superstar in one, they get invited to come to to Evolve. Like like uh, Sage Northcutt walked out in an Evolve T-shirt. Demetrius Johnson repped. He represented uh, AMC Pancreation and Evolve in his fight. What was it that the Chinese girl, the Panda? You know Panda, the uh, Jean, yeah, Jean, yeah. Now she was at Bali MMA for a while. She was in China, and then she's at Bali MMA. Now she's at Evolve, and it's like, yeah, like that's what. Come on, that's pretty weird. Come on, guys, like what? Like it'd be. It's like if Greg Jackson owned a huge stake of the UFC. Like people would be talking <laughs> shit, you know. That, that's basically what's going on, guys. Like. Yeah, <laughs> like it's going on with Matt Hume and with Evolve, like like uh, Matt Hume's gym with you know, and uh, whatever. 
I'm just a hater. <laughs> no, I, I mean, it, it's legitimate questions. And, and like I said, everything could be on the up and up. Everything could be legitimate. But because of the lack of transparency, we have no way to know. Right. But man, um, so like I said, one thing I'm actually happy about all this stuff, the, even though I got the legal threats and all that, is somebody actually, one of the journalists contacted WADA and, and they actually found, well, found out WADA has no has, has not been talking to one championship. They have no deal. One championship's not a signatory of WADA, and it, of, of so that's one good thing. So that that that's 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 huge in my opinion. Like, yo, know, you guys haven't even talked to WADA. Like, I think that was Body Lock that broke that story. Uh, actually, it was this other journalist, and the Body Lock was the second one to follow up. I forget uh, Christopher. Okay. Yeah. So yes, it was the the two articles posted about it. Yeah. <laughs> now you had posted something in your original post about one's official doctor. Oh, so um. And it's funny because I actually like the guy. He's a Taiwanese doctor. His name's uh, Warren Wong. And um, he's been working with the One Championship for a while. And this was just a rumor that I heard. But it was kind of like – but it was from pretty good sources. And it was like – it was kind of an accident that I ended up overhearing this. That um, that apparently – because because uh, Warren owns a clinic in, in – uh, like an actual clinic in uh, in Taiwan. And that and that they were going to somehow get his his clinic – affiliated to be a WADA clinic and that they could send their drug, like the urine samples to his clinic in Taiwan. And that that was how they would do drug tests. But I was like, wow, that's another thing. That's all kinds of red flags. Like you can't have a guy like Warren who's been working with one championship for years, drug test the fighters. Like that's conflict of interest. And like, you got to get a third party that's separated from them, you know, to do it. And, but because like, yeah, that, that, yeah. I, I can't imagine that would be a I can't imagine WADA would sanction something like that. Well, the thing is, like, just based on what I know about the testing. Well, WADA. So WADA doesn't do the testing. WADA has affiliate labs. And if you become if your lab becomes an affiliate lab or becomes an approved lab by WADA, it's not really oversaw by WADA. It's already like you already got your it's like you have a license, you know, you're a WADA licensed lab. And now that WADA licensed lab does a test for this organization. They're doing water testing now, and, and this this isn't happening yet, by the way. But this was all like apparently what what could happen or what's going to happen, apparently. Um, but but we have we, like there's no news about it, so we don't know for sure yet. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure. And actually, what's well, funny in Chavry's post in his comment, he was saying, "Oh, this is all new territory. These are all new countries. There's no commissions. We're yeah, we're we're breaking into new territory. So we bring in people like Rich Franklin, Olivier Koss." Such and such, and then he actually mentioned Warren's name. Uh, he said Warren Wong to to get professional help and to be legit, you know. And and I'm like, it's funny that you mentioned Warren because nobody knows who Warren is actually. And um, <laughs> but he but in Chavry's comment, he actually mentioned mentioned Warren. So I thought, yeah, it just that just made me like that just proved to me that I was like spot on, or I was really I was. I was getting close to the the truth, you know what I mean? It is. I mean, it's a precarious situation, though, when you look at it, because what he's saying isn't false. There are no commissions. So that they are self-regulating. I just think people like you, people like me, anyone else clued into the the sport realizes that they're they're sort of doing it with a a 100% lack of transparency. Yeah. And as long as people know that, if they're okay with that, I guess people are okay with that, but people are not okay. Like James Gordon will write an article, <laughs> and then like everybody's like, "Oh no, see, they're 
they're, they're, they are being transparent. They are being legit or they are, they're, they're doing the right things. I'm like, no, that's James Gordon writing an article. He works for one FG1 championship, but you know what I mean? So, <laughs> uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, those are the types of things that, you know, I, I think one of the things that I, I've noticed a lot and just because of, of my relationship with the sport in Asia, once as a uh, as a as a referee for many years and as a, a podcaster i won't call myself a journalist but as a podcaster and someone who who intermingles with a lot of that community is that there, there's quite a bit of shadiness on the media side as well yeah uh there, there's qu- quite a lot of uh underhanded and kind of shady deals going on oh like like yeah if like if a promotion gives a gives some some journalists some free tickets and a hotel room and maybe a hundred bucks or some spending money. All of a sudden that journalist will do everything for, for that promotion. You know, not saying that happens, but it probably, no barrier to entry. Yeah. Like not saying that happens. I'm not going to get accused of libel again, but, or slander, but guys, Asia is kind of crazy. You know, a lot of shit's not regulated. There's not a lot of, there's, there's no, uh, yeah, there's nobody like really holding people accountable, unfortunately. And it's, these wild card fighters are like the stupid journeyman like me who just runs his mouth a little bit too much <laughs> who, who like shed some light on this, you know? So I, I guess you've given up any hopes of uh, actually signing to one at this point. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I'll, like there's no way I'm going to fight for one. And also like, cause like now that they're doing kickboxing, professional boxing and Muay Thai, I, some, the new contracts now, like but back in the day, if, if you fought for one championship, you were just MMA exclusive. You can only, but you couldn't fight like two months beforehand. But I could still fight other stuff. But like nowadays, if you're exclusive completely, like you can't fight boxing, you can't fight kickboxing, you can't fight anything else. So like I don't trust I don't ever trust one championship to give me more than one fight. You know, like if I signed with them, they'd probably give me one fight and then I'd probably get put on a shelf and then go bankrupt and then have to, you know, get a real job somewhere or something. Like I I w I don't will never put myself and my family in that situation. And I would probably make if, – if one championship gave me like regular fights, three, four fights, I would make more money than fighting 12, fight, 12 times a year for these other small shows. But I'm not going to take that risk. I'd rather fight 12 times a year than trust one championship to be honest with me. So. You know, and I mean, you're you're the type of fighter. You're really kind of a fans fighter because you're so active now with their new format. One, they do shows almost every week. I mean, there's a few weeks here and there where they miss, but like you said, they're doing boxing, uh, K1 rules, Muay Thai rules, MMA. Who knows what else they'll have in the future? Yeah. Someone like you who who fights across all the disciplines would do fantastic. Man, I think I'd be the only one. Like, like, and it's funny. I actually talked to Bashir like I think a year ago about this. I'm like. Hey, I have a pro boxing record on BoxRite. I have fought K1 and Muay Thai at the, the highest level. I just fought the, literally this weekend. I, I lost, but I fought the number one ranked kickboxer at 80 kilos in China. I don't fight at 80 kilos. I'm a lightweight, actually. <laughs> For people that I don't know, I fought Max Holloway at featherweight. You know, I fought at 80 kilos. And, uh, yeah, I lost, but I fought at the highest level, you know. And and, and I fought in MMA. I fought Max Like I fought all these, these things. I, you would think that they could promote me and that I could, but – Hey, whatever. It's okay. I don't. I don't. I don't need one championship. Like, or I don't need the UFC either. Like, whether the UFC or one championship or whoever doesn't want me to fight, I'm gonna fight regardless. Even if it's in China, or even if, even if it's for these other shows. Like, yeah, I don't care. So, how how do you like fighting in China? Because you're actually pretty active there. I have I have a pretty 
okay fan base there. I've, I've coached in China and I, I get all the information like I need to. Anytime I fight somebody back in the day, it used to be like, oh, you're going to fight a Chinese guy. And that was it. That was all the information I had. Now, <laughs> nowadays, I, I, I get their name. I have their record. I can do all the research. My, my former students in the gyms that I used to work at, there, I still have good relationships with. They look it up. They send me all the videos. They, they tell me exactly who I'm fighting. And yeah, I'm okay with it now. And China still, like, they, they pay better than almost every other show, except for, I would say, Ryzen and Ryzen, Road FC, and one championship. They pay better than every other show besides those three. So I, I can't complain it's too much. Not bad company to be in, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, like, it's still like I'm, I'm at a disadvantage. I, I better win. I better not. I better win, but I better finish my opponent if I want to win, like guaranteed win. But it's hard to win decisions in China. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of, a lot of unfavoritism. But man, they pay for my hotel. They pay for food. They give me allowances. They they take care of me when I'm there. So I I, I can't complain too much, you know. Making a living. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, that's all we can ask for. <laughs> all right, well, Will, man, I really appreciate you taking the time to to come on and talk to me. Thank you so much. Uh, hopefully, this raised your profile a little bit. Maybe with some Western promotions, you start to get a little bit more exposure, fight a little bit more. I don't know if you can fight more frequently than what you actually do now, but hopefully, you get bigger fights. Yeah, I definitely hope so. <laughs> but yeah, but at the end of the day, all I want actually is I want Asian. I love Asian MMA. And that's why I have a big mouth about it. And I just want – I actually would like one championship to do well. And I just want them to be a little bit – I want them to be transparent. I want them to be honest and upfront and uh, and, and treat their fighters, the, the, the smaller fighters, the no-name fighters that are on contract that have been put on the shelf. I want them to get either released or or, or treated better. That's all I actually want. And, and I hope the fans would hold one championship accountable because – there's not many people in Asia doing that. So very true. I, and I, I hope so too. I hope that accountability does become in transparency becomes a, a much bigger part of their business model. Uh, Will, for anyone who's listening, uh, who's not following you that wants to, where can they find your information? Uh, Facebook, will the kill choke. You guys can message me, talk to me, anything you guys, you guys can, if you have any questions, you can ask me or Instagram at Asia will the kill. Awesome. Thank you. Will. thanks bro.